You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That is right. This is a big one, folks. We have a great show. We're going to be talking all about Vincent Price. It's Halloween. So what it, what fits better? And to even make it a little more juicier for you folks, we have his daughter, Victoria Price, joining us tonight. Oh, and we have that Mark Maddox guy also. So it should be a lot of fun and everything. And I know this young man who's sitting right across from me is real excited to talk about this one. Let's say hey to Mr. Mike Maddox. Just kidding. Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, I, sir? I, I'm having an identity crisis here. Well, you know, that does happen around Halloween. Who am I? Am I who I really am? Should I listen to those voices in my head? Oh, wait, that's normal for me. So... <laughs> It's kind of cool. So you doing okay this time, Mike? Absolutely. Very excited about uh, the countdown to Halloween continues. Uh, we've wanted to do a Vincent Price Spotlight episode for a while now, and I'm just uh, thrilled that uh, we have Victoria joining us. Uh, her book is amazing. If, haven't, if people haven't read it, um, they need to check it out. And uh, her book on her father, Vincent Price, uh, a daughter's biography. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to that, as well as other stuff too. And we talk about a lot, all sorts of things. So it's going to be um, it's a great time. So I'm glad she can join us. Oh, definitely. And you know, I I know you've met her at a con before, haven't you? Yeah, she was at uh, Monsterama a few years ago. Oh, that's awesome. So. That is awesome. So that's pretty cool that she you is are... keeping the legacy of her dad alive, which is great. I you know I love that. No, definitely. And that's pretty cool that, you know, she's, you know, some people hide from their heritage. She embraced it fully. And it's pretty awesome that she is, you know, able to come, you know, join us tonight, talk all about it and talk about some of the other projects she's working on also. So it's pretty cool. And then as a little bit of a bonus, we have producer Stacy Toy joining us in a couple minutes, and she's going to take a shot at the Geek Seat. So this should be a really fun show for us tonight. First, we want to also do a big shout out and thank you to all of our patrons. You know, folks, we have, you know, patrons from all different walks of life, all different lifestyles and everything. Some people like Halloween, some people don't. But why aren't you up there with those folks you know, we have some great people up there, and we want to give a big shout out to our patron, uh, Kevin Cafferty. Kevin, thank you for you know supporting the ESO Network Patreon, and you could do it for too for as little as twenty five cents a week. Why not join in too? All you have to do is go to Patreon dot com slash ESO Network, and you too can hear the brand new. Ready for this? ESO Board Silly Podcast Episode 7 is available exclusively to patrons. And we talk all about what our plans were for Halloween this year or what they were supposed to be and could have been and what we're going to try to do with the pandemic and everything. And that's exclusive only to patrons of the ESO Network. 
And for as little, like we keep on saying, there's four tiers. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you can help support us and get exclusive content just for you. Pretty awesome, like that kind of stuff. Also, let's say hey to our friends over at Tifosi Optics. Tifosi Optics, they are taking it out of the ballpark. They have new models of sunglasses up there, folks. Brand new for the fall 2020. All you have to do to go to tifosioptics.com, put in ESO Network, you get 10% off your order, and you can walk around with some pretty cool shades. And some a lot of them are custom made just for you. That's pretty cool and you know you pick your colors pick your shape of your glasses pick the you know the shades of the glasses themselves pretty cool any model any way that you could do it and they're very affordable which is pretty cool too tofosioptics.com tell them station one sent you of course we want you to reach out to us sometime Write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. And, you know, while you're at it, please subscribe to our show. If you're listening to it, most of you really are. But tell your friends, tell your neighbors. We're up on Amazon Music now. We're up on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, you know, podcasts. We're everywhere. You know, why aren't more people listening to us? Tell your friends. We're not beyond begging folks please we definitely would love to hear from you guys and definitely tell your friends we'd love to hear from them too and now we are here with producer and just all around great person stacy toy welcome to earth station one thank you so much for having me yes welcome to the station uh for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work uh, tell us a little bit about yourself um, so I am a producer and COO of 25 Aid Studios. We are a full service production facility. We have everything from commercials. So if anybody has any commercial work, um, we do obviously documentaries, films, TV shows as well. Um, and we're just all over the place and all over the world, but that's, uh, that's what I do right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that sounds very exciting. Um, it was that, um, is that something you wanted to do like, um, from the beginning or is it something you just kind of, uh, worked your way into? I fell into it, like completely <laughs> fell into it, <laughs> but it was a great thing. Oh, it obviously led me to where I was supposed to be, but for 11 years, I was uh, a live news director for TV news. Um, I directed America's highest rated local newscasts in the country and worked on big things all around the world, such as like the London 2012 Olympics um, and, and different stuff like that. I actually went to school though, to be on air as a journal, like a journalist and an anchor. Mm -hmm. And I got to do that for a little while. Um, And, you know, I just realized I didn't like it. So I just wanted to do something that obviously paid a lot less, uh, but gave me a lot more adrenaline, which was (laughs) behind the scenes. Um, And so Essentially, like when I was overseas in in London, um, they were started. They did the big HD sh- HD switch in 2012, um, and they started to get the automation systems in their in their control rooms over there. So I kind of got a glimpse into it. Uh, and then in 2014, when it came to the United States, the actual engineer and person who like built the actual automation systems that we were using in the U.S. 
uh, he he picked me and two other people to perfect and troubleshoot uh, the whole automation system. So I basically perfected and built my replacement. Um, So control rooms were going from 12 people down to like two. Now it's one because everything is just a playlist and, um, you know, codes and all that kind of stuff. So I helped to to basically perfect all that. So I figured I had to look into the future and see what was next because, you know, another five or 10 years, they were going to get rid of me. Um, so I just jumped in full force. I quit my job and I was a widowed single mom at that point in time. I had two. Oh, wow. Um, I know, which is insane. Um, and no, I didn't get like a huge lump sum of money when my husband died. I actually got nothing but the bill. So, um, (laughs) it was, there was no like backup plan. It was, I'm just, diving headfirst into it because the thing is is ultimately I was okay if I failed but I wouldn't be okay if I didn't try and I had to be an example for my children and I felt like you know what you can't it's I don't want to be a do as I say not as I do parent like a lot of people experience and even in my own life I love my parents but they instilled all of the stuff that in me that made me who I am and so it's like how come uh, if you could teach me how to do this you didn't do it for yourself um so I just, I want to be, you know, better in that area. <laughs> no. And that's one of the great things is to be able to show their children, Hey, this is what I did. I just didn't say this. I have something to back this up. Yes. And that that's awesome. And I so basically fun. you fell up. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, well with hundred acres of hell, which is now streaming on like Amazon voodoo on demand, all the platforms, it's like on 20 or 30 different platforms. Um, I got hired to do public relations. And so I was on this set for one week. And during that one week, I also have a natural curiosity, which kind of gets me in trouble sometimes. Um, but I like to learn and I'm figure if I'm going to be here, let's see how things work. Um, and my questions ultimately led to some people being let go because they were doing some not appropriate things like, you know, with money and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, the crew came to me and they're like, you know, we think that you could do this. Would you be the production manager in charge of the entire set? And I'm oh, wow. like, no, this was my first week, like on a film set. Like I know I've been in TV news, but it's totally different than being on a film set. And they're like, no, we're going to help you, but we think you could do this. So I'm like, well, at least if I if I suck at it, I know that I wouldn't be good at it. So and the only way you can do it is to try, right? So I just I gave it a shot and it just ultimately was like, oh, this is what this is. Like this has been my calling. Who knew? So I, I fell into it. But again, that was five years ago, and now it is streaming on all of the platforms. And it's a great Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to talk more about that. And it's interesting because uh, almost everybody I know who I've talked to who ha- is a producer, um, it's the the answer is always the same. I don't know if anybody ever grows up wanting to be a producer. <laughs> yeah. A TV news producer and a film producer are two totally different yes. things. So yes. I knew that I was not a TV producer because essentially I was doing it, you know, while I'm directing going, just do this, just like telling them what to do. Um, but in, in film and, and stuff like that, it's totally different. So I didn't know that until I, I saw it and people taught me it and I'm like, oh, this has been my job. Where's it been all my life? Cause I'm a mom. So like, that's essentially what a producer is, is they fix everyone's problems. They're always there if something breaks or they get hurt or they need something, it's time to eat, you know, they need their travel arrangements. They need, I mean, work permits, it's contracts, it's, it's everything, but it's managing that, the budget, right? 
Yeah, it's everything. It's yeah. all of that stuff. But it's like, it's exactly like being a mother. So I'm just like, my whole team is a bunch of men. And it's like, oh, it's like my kids. <laughs> I mean, they're <laughs> older than me too. But <laughs> I heard a lot of times being a producer is like herding cats. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like my business partner, Mark Denenbaum, he always says you can lead the horse to water, but you can't teach it math. And that's pretty much what it sums it up to us. <laughs> Well, taking a look at the at the specific horror film, Hundred Acres of Hell. Um, now, is it a, a genre that you are comfortable with? Is, this, is are you, do you like horror movies? Is it something that you you know? Sure. I mean, <laughs> sure. it's not it's not my number one. I'm a comedy person because I feel like in life you can I'm going to be scared all the time. I'm going to be crying all the time. So I just <laughs> want things to make me laugh. Um, but again, it was an opportunity, and um, I was working with some people that I grew up you know, watching with Ernie O'Donnell and Clerks. I mean, now he's one of my business partners. And it's funny because, and I always joke with him because he taught me how to curse when I was like 11 years old when Clerks came out and we're watching it in the basement of like my friend's house because you're sneaking it because it's all curse words. And um, so it's like the guy who taught me how to curse is now my business partner. Um, But what, you know, when people like that tell you that they believe in you and they're going to work with you and really do show up and always I mean Ernie and all of the cast they've always answered their phone every time I've called everything that we went through we went through together when it was dealing with the unions and SAG and all that kind of stuff so it was like I showed up to do my part because they were showing up to do their part and together it just like it, it just grew into something that was awesome and being a producer if you love what you're doing and you love the team and you like the idea of the project or, or who's with it or something like that, like it doesn't matter what the genre is you're working and you're doing what you love to do. And that's just taking care of everything and making sure everything goes off without a hitch. And and so the movie might suck. The movie, I don't care if you hate it, we finished it, you know, and that's, that's just how it works. You know, you gotta, you gotta work. <laughs> what, what is the, uh, what is the origin and premise behind, behind the movie? Is it because uh, it sounds like you came in after like the pre-production stage? Is that right? Uh, kind of. So the it got started about nine or ten years ago, um, and just trickled down, trickled down. This didn't work out. This didn't work out. Um, and by the time I came on board, we finally secured the funding, and uh, I helped with you know securing some of the places that we filmed at because we actually ended up filming on my parents' property up in the Poconos. Uh, so I guess we have 30 of the hundred acres of hell <laughs> because we have 30 <laughs> acres up there. So um, when some of the locations dropped out, I was stepping up and, and, you know, putting all that stuff in there. Um, but yeah, what was the question? I'm sorry. I get off what, the, what is it, what's the premise of the movie? Okay. So the premise of the movie um, is Gene Snitsky, who is a WWE, WWE superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, he is playing this character called Buck Seavers, um, and which is a playoff of essentially his own life because he did face a lot of depression, you know, a lot of uh, body uh, hurts and pains, alcoholism, de- you know, dealing with the pain pills, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he has to essentially find the fight in himself. Um, and he goes with his three old friends to this bros weekend. Um, and it's to this, like, uh, they have these places you could go and hunt like, like elk and all these different kinds of animals. Um, and so the guys go for this bros weekend and, and essentially there's this mutant inbred, uh, person running around 
killing people. You know, I mean, I just, hate it when that happens. Yeah, oh, no. that happened to you too. Wow, that <laughs> happened. But I mean, it was so cool because there is this rest. There's this epic fight scene in the film that I was just. We, it took a few days to do, but it's Gene Snitsky with Samu Anawahi uh, from the Head Shrinkers. If anybody like, they sold out Madison Square Garden about twenty three times uh, throughout their WWE career. And also Afa Anawahi Jr. Um, and their fight scenes were real and there was no stunt doubles. Uh, it was them when they're jumping around on these old cars. It was an old car graveyard. There is no padding. It was incredible. But this fight scene between Samu and Gene, Sits- Gene Snitsky um, is absolutely incredible. There's this huge bonfire and it's just, oh, it, it is an epic fight scene. And I think it lasts probably about 20 minutes or so. So it's worth looking into even just that um but yeah and then at the end of it there's a big twist and who knows i guess people are talking sequels already so (laughs) wow that's awesome that's awesome you said it's you said it's streaming do you know um like it's just every is it available everywhere or um i know it's uh like amazon voodoo uh itunes on demand google play um like sony playstation all that stuff uh it's on walmart.com now um and geez it's like oh Redbox i know has it as well uh it's if you if you go on to like 100 acres of hell on our social media or anything like that there's like a picture with everything of where gotcha. it's located <laughs> awesome awesome well, we'll definitely include a link to it so that people can check it out as well uh in oh, yeah. our show notes we'll um, have all the different links there you know we'll go and to whatever so that media one, player that one's watch. out there it's done it's streaming it's in the can what are you working on now um, so there's a bunch of different things that I'm working on. Um, I have a potential TV show pilot for a potential network in the works right now. Um, I can't really talk about it, but it's there. Uh, we're working on a documentary with the Future Blues Grammy nominated artist Clarence Spady. Um, he, over 35 years, uh, he worked with everybody from B.B. King to Eric Clapton. He had a, uh, a drug problem for all of his 35 years, and then he lost his son uh, about a year and a half ago to uh, addiction and overdose. So he got his life together and clean, and he's putting out a new album. So we've been following him around, um, especially because he's from the same area as where I am in Scranton, in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. So uh, it's been easy, I guess, to kind of socially distance, especially with my 30 acres up here uh, with 100 acres <laughs> Uh, it's easy to social distance and kind of have him up here playing his guitar and, you know, it's keeping your distance and still uh, keeping with the rules, if you will, of, of COVID. <laughs> so, so Mike, it sounds like she's made it through a hundred acres of hell. Now we need to know if she can make it through the geek seat. I don't know. You know, she's <laughs> used to being in open spaces. Now that she's going to be confined to just one seat and she's so high energy. I don't know if the geek seat could actually handle her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, because I was looking at your questions and I'm like, I don't even know how to answer some of these, like <laughs> politically correct, I guess, if you will. <laughs> you know what? Answer so it the way. Correct. This is your segment. <laughs> answer it any way you want, Stacey. This is what this is about. And it's right. kind of cool. Okay. So, you ready for your first question in the geek seat? Yes. Yes, I am. What was your favorite geek out moment? Um, my favorite geek out moment was honestly, when I first met kid and play, like, I know this is so, strange. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, awesome I, though. 
when I've worked, like, cause I've worked with a lot of people, I've obviously gotten to know them and we're friends now, um, which is cool. Cause I get to work with a lot of the, I love the nineties crew. Um, but when I first met them, like I, my heart, like I've been around, I go on the red carpet for the Grammys every year, like, and, and people in, out in our LA office are, are with Lady Gaga and Rihanna and, you know, Wayne Brady. I mean, there's, there's so many big names, but for some reason, Kid and Play, it was like, oh my gosh, even my friends, uh, my friend that introduced me to them um, was uh, Jamie Jones and Hannah Jones from, uh, well, Jamie Jones is the lead singer from All for One. They sing I Swear from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduced me to them um, when we were down in Mexico or Key West or something, because I went with the I Love the 90s crew down there. And um, I just remember I was like shaking and I was like, I went and I told Coolio about how kid and play just like, you know, geeked me out. So it was kind of weird though. I've, and I've never really been geeked out by anybody else, but again, now we're friends, but it still geeks me out. Cause I just love their movies. And I was growing up. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That's awesome. That is awesome. But let's look at the other side of that. What's your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh God. It's like, I wish I could name drop so many names. Cause it's weird. I've, I actually still work with someone, um, kind of who, who disappointed me. So it's like, it's one of those sad moments. Um, but I will say, uh, this person, cause I would, I just want to tell you this story cause it's so terrible. Um, we went out to California to see them do a show and we were their guests and we were there with someone else who is a very good friend of mine. And this person, um, he's an A-list actor. And I was, you know, helping and working with them to, through my friend, uh, working kind of directly with them on a potential show and documentary, um, and even with money and stuff like that. And it's like, I met them and like, like, they didn't even give me like the time of day. And we were in the back parking lot and it was like, my friend was talking to that, but it was like, it was, it was like, okay, take pictures. And then it was like, okay, I got to go. Like, just, I don't know. It was really weird and awkward. And then all of a sudden they needed me again. Um, and we came through just recently, like, cause it was like, I'm one of these people that likes to, uh, uh, do nice things as the example, like, cause as much as I want to tell you to go screw off, like I, it's like, I'm always going to be, try to be the nicer person, at least a little bit. Uh, and then if you, if you screw me over after this one nice time, <laughs> I'm done. Um, but I always like to be the example and not just be like, you know, just my, my motto is don't be an asshole. So I guess I have to, to do that. I will, I will eventually let you know who this is, but I just can't write this second because I'm working with them. <laughs> but they're oh, gotcha. Gotcha. We have a show yeah. out, out in Hollywood. I will yes. say that. <laughs> that. That's fair enough. What geeks you out the most? Um, I just, I love hit like history and stuff. So like when people take me to like cemetery, I just am just like, that's my heart. Go ahead. Take it. <laughs> it's weird. Don't take me to a bar. Take me to the cemetery. That's where I live. Really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. We have some great yeah. ones down here in Georgia that you'd be interested I, in. Yes. You guys do have good ones down there, man. Really good mm-hmm. ones. When I was in uh, Atlanta. I went to stop to see like um, Martin Luther King's Michael Luther King. Yes. <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to go see all these famous people. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah. And they have like all the Confederates, you know, f- cemeteries and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty awesome. 
especially mm-hmm. if you're if you're into cemeteries and you know spooks and ghouls. New Orleans is another great place for yeah. it. They have amazing ones. I I love going every time I go overseas and work overseas. I'm always like, we have to just stop at like random cemeteries or I'll look up because they have find a grave the app on my phone. <laughs> it's oh, so really? cemetery. Well, it's the coolest thing because like people take pictures and they have the obituaries, but then you can find like famous people. So you just go and you can like, oh, this is the name of the cemetery and you put it in and other people have gone through and posted pictures. And it's funny, I get requests and stuff for like small cemeteries around here. And if I'll take pictures, people send me like 20 bucks in the mail or something. And say, Thank Oh, that's you. awesome. I remember I when I, I remember when I went to Paris, I got to go see Jim Morrison's grave. Yes. Yes. That was so cool. I remember mm-hmm. we, that's all the stuff I like to go. And even um, in random places in England and stuff, like I'll stop. Um, and I remember I, uh, they had the pipe. It was the person who wrote um, Sherlock Holmes. And they had oh, like a and yep. stuff they Doyle. there. Yes, yes, that one. Um, and then I remember like in France, when I was filming in Normandy last October for a World War II thing, I'm walking mm-hmm. through this one, like, uh, semi- like this one, real. I mean, all the things were like in a row, like in Arlington. Um, <clears throat> and I was walking by, walking by, and I noticed there's nice big red uh, roses, which is like, you know, crazy for like next to all these white stones. And I looked down and it was my actual relative. It said like EJ toy, which is my relative. Wow. Like, so sometimes I just like seeing that stuff because it's like, you're in the right place at the right time. And, oh, and sure. you know, all those, it's signs. just not only coincidence, it's just, it's fate almost in some ways. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Definitely. Let's go into the next question. What turns your geek off? What turns my geek off? Um, I don't like people who think they're better than you. I don't like, (laughs) I just don't like, I hate compulsive sneezers. It's actually in my yearbook. I have kicked people out of my control room for people sneezing more than three times in a row. Like I there are just things I can deal with, but I can't deal with people who sneeze more than three times in a row. Like that's it. You must be great during the time of COVID. You know, it's awesome. (laughs) It's just the noise. I don't know. Like, it's not the actual germs. I don't give a shit about the germs. It's just the, choo, choo. it's a get out. I can't stand it. I don't know why, but it, you know, it's, it's, I know I forgive people instantly. Like, it's just like that one thing that just pisses you off and it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Um, I guess, well, you can consider it fictional, I guess, if you will, but, um, I really can't wait to meet Jesus. <laughs> okay yeah i really i just i don't know man i'm just whether it's true or not even just uh the idea of it it's always kind of what uh just saved me i guess you will but yeah call me a geek i don't care (laughs) well you know what we don't judge on this as you like to say we don't think we're better or anything like that than other people so it's perfect that's awesome what fictional character would you not like to meet um I don't know. That one I was having a bit of an issue with because even the worst people in the world, like I would, I always like to sit and talk to people because I like to like get what's in their mind. So it's like even the worst people, I, I don't, I don't know. I'd still want to meet them because I like broken people and I always like to see, and there are some people I talk to and I'm just like, damn, I am never talking to them again. Just because like, that is way too out there, but I still want to see, because it's like, I want to know how people perceive things. I'm all about perception and reaction. 
and you know how you perceive things and how is how you react to them and that's you know you perceive it differently you react differently so I kind of just like to to talk to all the crazy people I don't know it was a terrible answer but <laughs> there's no terrible answer in this test so you know and we've heard some bad ones trust me I'm not naming names but we've heard some really you know what is your favorite geek word phrase quote or pose um I love the um love is infinite you can always make more uh that's always been a cool quote because it's like Very awesome. and I think it's it twitches too on the Disney channel I know I know <laughs> but in reality and everything else awesome. it's kind of just like you know if you believe in a project or if you believe in a person or anything it's like you can always make more hope you can always make more love faith all that kind of stuff just to kind of help other people or help yourself so yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome that is cool i like that one a lot actually what is your ideal geek occupation i'm doing it it's insane number one answer um, that's I awesome <laughs> I'm doing it. No, I, I think it's important that people uh, make the road and pave it later. Uh, just, you know, s just try it out. So like, I'm not following anybody's rules. I'm kind of just making my own as I go. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. You're an inspiration in a lot of ways. That's cool. That is really cool. Stacy. what geek occupation would you not like to do? I am not a good person uh, to do like hospice or like nursing stuff. I love, because uh, I do get an autopsy like every year from my, my uncle who's a deputy coroner, because I think that stuff is cool. I think looking at a brain and trying to like, you know, picture what a brain does. It's like trying to think to infinity and it just is weird, but it puts like reality, I guess, in perspective for me. But as far as taking care of you know other people I'm probably not that person like I'll take Carrie on set but if it comes to like sponge baths and and you know smells and all that kind of stuff we're I, I just gonna have to pass Sorry. so no one no <laughs> one go to Stacy Stacy I'm not feeling well she'll go uh let me get my PA to help you with it or something like that <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll show you to the bathroom. I'm okay with that. Like, I can hold your hair back when you puke. Like, I've never had anybody, like, crap their pants. So, hey, there's something new every day on this job, right? But, oh, but of course. It's always something. Someone else. I will call someone else. <laughs> That's understandable. All right, Stacey, yeah. are you ready for your ultimate geek fantasy question? Ultimate geek fantasy? Um, what so, is it? Like, it's like the new kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I that can't is cool. I'm a '90s kid. Like, I like it's so funny too because I've told a couple of the '90s artists that I'm friends with now. I'm like, you know, a lot of people used to masturbate to that song back in the '90s. You know, and it's like, how do you know? I'm like, oh, you know, my friends would tell me. <laughs> that like, is. <laughs> tell all of them. The new kids on the block, like singing to me, like, oh, Donnie Wahlberg, come on. Like, I can't take it. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That That is a new high for this question. That is awesome. <laughs> Congratulations, Stacy. Well, Stacy, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Huzzah. It didn't hurt too much, I hope. Mr. Mike yeah. Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $9.86. Too bad it's only in station currency. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, well. It's okay. 
But uh, it's very cool to talk to you. Um, Again, the movie is 100 Acres of Hell. It is streaming everywhere. Um, We're going to have a link to it on our show notes as well. And Stacey, where can people go to find out more about you, what you're doing, keep track, or if they have any questions? Uh, Stacey Toy, S-T-A-C-E-Y-T-O-Y. Don't forget the E in Stacey or else you're not going to get a response because it's my cousin out on the other side of the country. She doesn't send me stuff for six months. So... That'll be at Facebook and Instagram, or you can find us at the number 258studios.com or all spelled out 258studios on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome, awesome. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment, and we are going to be talking to Victoria Price. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I'm going to continue talking about some of my favorite Halloween-themed movies this week. Last time, I talked about some of my favorite family-friendly, not-so-spooky movies like Ghostbusters and Hocus Pocus. And this week, I want to talk about some of my favorite Halloween-themed comedies. I think that horror And comedies are really interesting genres to mash up just because they at first seem so different from each other. But you have horror on the one hand that's inspiring these really intense visceral feelings of fear. And then comedy, which is more lighter, funny, and makes you laugh. So you take these scary elements from horror and then you get these great moments of release from comedy. My favorite horror comedies are the Cornetto Trilogy from Edgar Wright. First of all, I think it's really funny that these movies are even called the Cornetto Trilogy. They're named that based on a running gag across all three films about a particular brand of ice cream. So when you're watching these movies, be sure to look for the quick little Cornetto cameo. These movies all star Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Now they're playing different characters throughout these movies, but there are, similar to the Cornetto gags, some running jokes across all these three movies. And if you like one, you're probably going to like the others. They are Shaun of the Dead, which is zombie-themed, Hot Fuzz, which is sort of a buddy cop movie that then transitions into them having to fight like this weird small-town cult. And then The World's End, which is about a pub crawl that takes place in the middle of an apocalypse. These movies are really great because not only do they have great acting and jokes, I love how they sample different genres. For example, like the zombies, the apocalypse, post-apocalyptic kind of deal. And then you've got your classic like small town spooky goings on. These movies are really funny and not too scary, which makes them something great to watch with your friends. Now, of course, in these times of COVID, probably not advisable to have a big Halloween party, but maybe it'd be fun to have everybody watch these all at the same time and you can get a group chat going because these movies are really entertaining to watch with your friends. And that's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. Next time, I'm going to get a little bit scarier, and I'm going to talk about some of my favorite movies that fall under the true horror category. So be sure to stay tuned. 
I'm Brittany Vitrino. And I'm Martha Bartlett. We've been nerds since day one, and we love to talk. And now we're your hosts of But But First, Let's Let's Talk Nerdy. Come listen if you like anything from comics, anime, video games, sci-fi, and even history. Just sit back, relax, even join us with a drink in hand, because we'll have one in ours too, and come talk nerdy with us every Tuesday. We are now a proud member of the ESO Network, and you can download wherever you like to listen. See you next Tuesday. Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here with Victoria Price and Mark Maddox. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Very, very glad to be here. Yes, well, Mark and I wanted to do an episode on on Vincent Price, spotlighting him for a while now. For I think ever since we started talking about doing these Countdown to Halloween episodes. So mm-hmm. we could think of nobody better suited to join us uh, to spotlight Vincent Price than Victoria. So thank you very much for joining us, Victoria. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, guys. Um, I thought we'd start um, just real quick with each of us sort of introducing and talking about how we were introduced to uh vincent um uh mark we'll start with you as a do you was it a film was it do you remember your first uh vincent price experience oh, yeah yeah i remember it quite well there was a, it was a double whammy because i was kind of afraid of him for a while my first introduction was walking into the living room in panama city florida my brother's watching this horror film called the tingler <laughs> and vincent price is laying on the couch you know and the evil wife is you know open the box or something, the tingler's crawling out and it starts throttling him. Now you can say, okay, that's scary, but I'm four years old. <laughs> I'm four years old. I almost like go into shock. I'm like, uh, I turn around and I just walk out of the room. So years go by. And then, and then my uh, math teacher at our school was a 16 millimeter film collector. And he would bring in movies, a, a one reel of a film every morning and show us, part of his film collection one reel per morning every morning and he came in one day with a with a big lens for the school projector and told us put up the put up the sheets across the front of the math lab and pop the lens on the school projector and put on the house of usher and it said vincent price and i started getting real nervous and i the, everybody was screaming during the movie the girl comes out of the coffin with blood on her hands people are screaming the principal looks in the classroom sees it's a vincent price movie goes oh, okay and then closes the door and leaves. but i fell completely and totally in love with with him at that moment i thought he was fantastic it's still one of my all-time favorite films and so that was my introduction a double introduction one wow. time at one time too scared to actually like look at him anymore <laughs> So, uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, for me, it was, I think it was the house of Usher. I was like five years old and it was on the, like a Saturday afternoon movie around Halloween. And it was just, I was watching it, you know, cause my parents were doing whatever parents do it in the seventies. And I was like mesmerized by it. Because it was a horror, it was scary, but it was fascinating, and Vincent Price was so riveting to see. And 
after watching that, I, you know, five years old, out of mind, sight, out of mind type thing until I saw Batman and I saw him as Egghead. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute. I know that guy. And then I started, you know, being more and more aware of it and watching all the different movies that he did. And a lot of the Hammer stuff was just awesome. You know, it was just great to see as I got older, you know, watching more and, you know, trying, you know, Dr. Phoebus and, you know, stuff like that. It's just some awesome stuff. And then seeing where he would pop up in other movies, 10 commandments and, you know, all the little small roles he did too. It was just, it was just amazing. His, you know, what he was doing and everything and then the muppet show you know it's just awesome judy and i were just watching that right before we started tonight we needed something to lift us up so it was just like let's put on the muppets and judy's like okay let's put on the vincent price one okay so uh and 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 i didn't know i didn't really think about this until i you know i finished the book but i think i've actually um backwards followed his career uh because when i was growing up i knew him from his television appearances i think probably the first time i saw him was on batman um and then i was a big get smart fan so i know he was he did a episode of get smart he was on uh bionic woman he was on like a lot of those shows love boat even uh he was a celebrity so he was always on like those variety shows uh uh Donnie Marie, uh, Sonny and Cher, he was on those shows. And so, and I, he was on the talk shows. Um, so I think I, that's, I just knew who he was as a celebrity more than I'd seen any of his actual work. It wasn't until uh, a while, like a long time ago that um, I started looking at his movies and I, and I didn't seek him out in, individually, but I just see him here and there. And then I made it a point to watch, I think this was like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I made it a point to watch all of the Corman Poe movies. And that's when I really was like, wow, that, these are incredible. And since then, if he's in a movie, I usually, you know, record it or, or, or stream it or whatever. And it's only been, I think, a couple of years ago, I started getting into film noir and I knew he'd been in the Laura. I knew he had appeared in Laura, which is one of the biggest, you know, probably one of the best movies he's ever been in. Um, and I, and so I, I, but I thought that was kind of a one-off and it wasn't until I started getting in film noir and seeing it in, in, in this kind of woman shock, the web, that kind of thing that I was like, wow, this guy's like had a whole career before horror. And then Mm -hmm. reading your book, Victoria, I find out he's got this huge career on on the stage before that. And I wish some of that was still available to watch because that sounds, that sounds like it would have been very impressive. He was amazing on the stage and, and really, you know, it was almost in a funny way, his best medium, because he was not a subtle actor, you know, and he loved people. So there was something really perfect for him about the stage in the sense that you, you know, you, you had a light of audience every night and you had to reach the last row. So he loved acting on stage. Yeah. And, and to your knowledge, has any of that stuff been recorded to, to view? There are some recordings, but no, uh, none with video. There are some audio recordings, but gotcha. audio and video. 
Gotcha. What about the the later um, piece that he did uh, about um, where he the Oscar one man Wilde. show Oscar, Oscar Wilde? Wilde. Is that, yeah, yeah, no, there's only audio, no video, wow, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a shame because like we had the technology. <laughs> I know, I know. Wow. Yeah, he did it on no was, it, was it, it Dick Cavett or was it the Carson? He came on one of those shows and did a, a bit of it. I can't remember which. Yeah, one. I think it was one of the English shows actually. Oh, okay. okay. David Frost or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's just ridiculous, ridiculous that it doesn't exist Absolutely. and heartbreaking because it was definitely that was the best thing I ever saw him do. Yeah. Now, I, when I was a when I was a kid, uh, you and your dad came through. Rapid City, South Dakota. I guess in a Winnebago or something. He was. He it was, was a Clark Cortez. Yes. And my mom told me about it afterwards, and I'm like, "What? You know, I was like, what? He just came through. Yeah, his daughter came through. It was an article in the paper about them coming through in a Winnebago. I'm like, Mom, do you know who you're talking to? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, I was, but yeah, so, he was on the some... Indian Arts and Crafts Board, which was part of the Department of the Interior. And so, um... um, the three of us, my and the dog, so my mom and my dad and I, we'd go on these great road trips and and go to a lot of places that were, you know, a little more off the beaten track because they were, yeah. you know, Native American reservations or museums or tribal centers. So it was really one of the best parts of my childhood. That was one of the things about him I did notice, and I watched, I don't remember the name of the the little show that he had. It was a syndicate. It was like on really weird times uh, living here in Tallahassee, Florida. It was like on really super early in the morning where he went over different subjects. There was even one issue or one episode, one issue, one episode on comic books. He did different art, a different type of art. Do you remember that show? It was Mm. in the... I don't know if it was in the 90s, maybe. Could have been. Well, he did something for Disney called Read, Write, and Draw, teaching kids how to tell stories. So that Mm -hmm. could have been a part of it. Yeah, it had different episodes about different types. I know one of them was... Oh, of art? Oh, yes. You know what? It was for the Financial Network um, or Financial News Network. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I loved about him now, you know, and I remember being a, a young person, there was this book that came out and it wasn't nearly, it wasn't at the level of what you, you gave us, but it was like one of these, it was almost seemed like a press, a, a press document or something. Let's like, let's, 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 uh, let's put this thing out about Vincent and let's not really go over anything important, sort of a book. And it was this book with him standing in front of a creepy looking house. Do you remember that, that one book? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that author. Yes. But I, I didn't think much of the book, especially after reading other things later, but they said, well, Vincent loved art and he, and he wanted this Rembrandt etching or something along those lines. So he saved up his money and he bought it. Then I'm watching the tonight show, like a clip from the tonight show. And he goes, Oh, I, I got that money by stealing it out of the church box. When I reached in and it was like I needed 30 bucks to put together to get a Rembrandt etching. So I took it out of the the church box. It was just totally hilarious. And it was so much more human than this this whitewashed sort of thing. But um, I, I just thought that was funny. But anyway. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, he had a great sense of humor for sure. He did. He had a he had a fantastic sense of humor. Yeah, and comedy was yeah he excelled at that. Um, sure. I, I wanted to ask you, Victoria, one of the things about uh, that um, in your book that I, I didn't 
didn't get enough of is, uh, especially this time of year, you know, with Halloween being, I was wondering what Halloween was like at the Price family house. Well, you know, especially it was a time. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely <laughs> a time when he was away a lot, you know, right. uh, and he, he, because, you know, people wanted him to come and lecture and do things, you know for them uh, but when he was home uh it was always a little bit of a mixed bag for me because my mother was a costume designer and so some simple wish that I might have had like oh I want to be a cowgirl or whatever you know turned into a Broadway production <laughs> <Right>. for her <laughs> so uh but when he was home it was really fun you know we'd go actually out in the Clark Cortez and we'd go trick-or-treating and uh, they'd have little, like a little meal for us where all my girlfriends and I, we could come back, you know, go down the street with my dad. And then he'd sometimes pop out and scare the, the owners of the houses. So <laughs> he was, uh, he, he was just a great dad. He just was so full of joy and fun. He was like a big kid. I was, I was, for some reason, I was just sort of imagining there being, because you, you mentioned how holidays, particularly Christmas, was really important to him. And I wondered if, if there was any sort of Halloween traditions you guys had. Yeah, you know, everything was an excuse to celebrate, but Halloween wasn't, first of all, Halloween wasn't then what it is now. It's the That's second true. biggest retail holiday in, you know, in the United States, and it's growing mm. in popularity all over the world. But, uh, I think, you know, one of the traditions was really my mom's. She loved the pumpkin carving. So we always did pumpkin carving and there were girl and boy pumpkins. And uh, because of the pandemic, you know, I'm usually on the road constantly. It's my busy season as well. And mm -hmm. so this is one of the first years I'm going to be able to carve a pumpkin in, in maybe a decade. And oh, wow. I'm, 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 excited to see what I'm going to do for the pumpkin carving and, and maybe have some trick-or-treaters, you know, so if people are trick-or-treating this year, so I'm excited to, uh, to be someplace for, and it's been fun walking and seeing everybody's decorations. I, I often think of my mom, she, she just loved to decorate. And if Halloween decorations had been, um, then what they are now, she would have just gone all out for that. Yeah, I can understand that. Especially, like I said, I, I sort of fell in love with uh, that that house at uh, was it five hundred eight um, North five eight zero yeah oh, five eight zero exactly. right yeah yeah that that and I actually looked it up on I think it was it just recently got sold on yeah um, it just sold uh, like maybe a couple months ago yeah uh, for a lot <laughs> um, yeah a lot but it, but man what a gorgeous place to to grow up and and that just well, and, like and the kind of cool thing was that uh, my my mom was the one who bought it not my dad I mean they bought it with their money together but it was my mom who uh, sort of pushed for it because my dad had much simpler taste and the style that was popular then in the 50s were more sort of the ranch style houses but my mother loved the, the classic houses, so she got it for a song, and it was 9,000 square feet or something, and built in the 1920s. It was absolutely oh, gorgeous. Oh, wow. Gorgeous. Yeah. Jeez. Did y'all yeah. have maids, or did they just, <laughs> or did they just put you to work? I mean, <laughs> well, my brother um, lived there when he was older than I was. We moved when I was nine, so they didn't put me uh -huh. to... Yeah, so we all had chores, but they didn't put me to as much work as they put my brother. My brother got put to a lot of work. 
That's funny. He was, he uh, <laughs> liked to attribute his, you know, six pack abs and his nice biceps to all the work he was had to do because there were a lot of stairs and my mother was constantly working on building projects. So it was very handy for her to put a teenage boy to work. Sure. Run down wow. to the bottom of the driveway and bring up three bags of cement. <laughs> <laughs> that is work um of course but you know being october it is certainly the the season for a lot of vincent price's movies especially the horror movies um are there i know that in the book you said that you know they're hard to, for you to watch especially as a kid because he was always you know meeting his grim end usually in a fire yes <laughs> Right. Some horrible oh. demise. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Yes. Was it, was it difficult? Like separating that, like seeing him on screen? Yeah. So that? yeah. When I was a kid, I couldn't watch it at all. So really the only things I watched when I was a kid were the, the spoof type things, the fun ones. Right. So I watched things like, um, you know, Batman or, uh, or mod squad or um, get smart, you know, exactly. Brady Bunch, those kinds yeah. of things. Right. The, uh, so, but now are there any sort of the horror movie aspects of, uh, his career that, that, uh, stand out for you in particular? Well, you know, now it's so benign compared to, I mean, (laughs) everything, you know, is is more gruesome than anything my dad did. I mean, with the possible exception of some of the really gross things in, in a few films, mostly it's, it's just so much more benign. So, uh, I've, I've learned to, appreciate the humor like something like dr fibes which has its really gross parts but i love the humor of it and the style of it so i've i've found a way to uh kind of tune out or not think about all the disgusting stuff no it's funny that that was the first movie that i saw i mean this was just right after i had seen the uh the house of usher in the math class and then I, uh, I forget, it was like close to Christmas. I got my tonsils taken out and there was an article about Dr. Fives Rises Again, mm. in Famous Monsters Magazine. And I looked at it and I said, oh man, I got to go see that. And nobody would go with me. I mean, <laughs> I, it was my first That's time. That's your first I, clue, right? Well, that was my first time going to a movie, not only by myself, but it was a horror film. And I'm like, oh man, this is just so stupid. You're like in the theater. You know, and I and I watched it, and I and I loved it. It was it the humor helped you get over the horrific stuff, and it really, like you said, in comparison to what they we've seen on screen in the last thirty forty years, makes it look like you know Saturday morning cartoons in comparison. Right. But but there is so much humor in it, like him, you know, eating because he has to eat through his neck because of the accident and he pulls out a bone he burps and he pulls out a little chicken bone and goes like right oh well you know and then throws it off to the side and he had a great sense of humor but those are quaint even his oh, most totally uh quaint even the more more horrific a little bit more horrific anyway theater of blood which uh mm. which is you know making the rounds a lot right now especially with the passing of diana rigg dame diana rigg yeah. um is a terrific film. It's a little more intense. It's it did get an R rating when it came out, but in comparison to stuff now that's even PG thirteen, it's 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 quaint. Uh, kids kids have got thicker skins nowadays, unfortunately. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and and you know, 
I mean, it's interesting, right? I've, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the level of violence that we take in as a society so that we just don't even think about it. And I think, you know, if anyone really thought my dad was going to force anyone to eat poodle pie or <laughs> dunk them in <laughs> wax, they, I mean, you knew that he wasn't capable of that. You knew oh. there was always... I. I think the only movie where he really was truly malevolent was Witchfinder General. And although people really respect that movie, it never makes it as the number one favorite Vincent Price movie ever. Because in a way, part of what people love about my dad is that he does scary things, but, but you know, he's not really scary. The Witchfinder no. General, I did not see until until Turner Classic Movies put it on, completely put back together. Even on the Blu-ray discs, I don't think it's completely restored with the nudity and everything. And I turned it on. It was on uh, late in the evening, appropriately. And I watched it, and my jaw hit the floor by the time the movie was over. It was rough. It yeah. was really his R-rated film, and it it, it did not hold back. Um it it was i'm not i'm not going to say i loved it because i don't think I, I i didn't but i still thought there was some amazing things in it uh but it was it was definitely 40 miles of bad road that one uh in terms oh, of its yeah. intensity yeah we did a location tour uh for it in in england and we took the bus a, yeah. a bus out to where we were going to go on location and they showed the movie and, and literally I couldn't even listen to it. I had to put my headphones on. There was always somebody being hacked to death. And I mean, it was just, I kept every so often I'd look up and I'd be like, how do you people watch this stuff? They'd all it's, laugh it was, me. it's sadism. It really is that time mm-hmm. period where, where that, uh, the, the, some of the European influence of, of being able to show anything was mm-hmm. happening and and I remember being a little kid and seeing like a picture of something from a film of that type and just being repulsed and uh you know I, it, it 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 even in 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 today's standards it, there was stuff in it that's still shocking um every once in a while you got to you got to get away from it and go watch you know I don't know Dr. Javaco or something like right, that. Right, right, I got to right. get away from, I got to get away, I got to get away from this. It's funny because I love horror films, but I got to get away from them every once in a while and, and, and give myself a break. Well, the thing with your dad was, for me, was always, for, was his voice. His mm-hmm. voice was so, not whimsical, but it was so strong and it flowed. And, you know, I was always into audio anyway. And I just, I could listen to your dad read the alphabet or the phone book it was just it was just so eloquent it was wonderful well you know he grew up in a musical family and he never thought he was as talented as the rest of his siblings so I think in some way what he he did was he learned to use his voice Mm -hmm. as his musical instrument oh I could totally see that I truly could see that it was you know, it was just awesome. Even what he did with Thriller and some of the cartoons he did, like the Great Mouse Detective and stuff like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's just amazing, right? He's he's got an iconic voice that, um, you know, it's weird because a lot of people with iconic voices get imitated. Uh, you know, you see impersonators all the time. Uh, you know, uh, but I don't know if I've ever 
seen anybody actually be oh, able to you capture. Oh, you've got to hear uh, the guy, um, uh, uh, is it Fry? Uh, Fry? Fry and Laurie from the Fry and Laurie comedy group from Britain. Uh, you've seen this actor before. He was in like V for Vendetta, but he did a Vincent Price imitation. It's still really? a little over the top. It's a little too, too much like that. But he does this thing and it's funny. And then everybody else dog piles in with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee imitations. <laughs> well, yeah. One of the things Stephen about. Fry? Uh, really? Yeah, Stephen Fry. He does a really wow. good. And then they do this whole Peter Cushing's punk rock song. Peter Cushing lives in Whitstable thing. But the the thing is with, with people like your father and Boris Karloff and, and Peter Cushing and stuff like that, I, 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 I've said this before. I said the best villains are the ones whose voices uh, uh, sound like melting butter. They are not yelling and screaming and raging and all that kind of stuff. And that's been always been a turnoff to me when a villain in a film is screaming and stuff. It's like, well, then you don't believe what you're doing anyway. You're doing a, a positive motivational thing to prove to yourself. You're right. You're yelling it. You're, you're, you're shouting it to the heavens, but your dad and these other great actors, they didn't have to do it. They were, they were venomous when they were doing their, when they were doing stuff and smooth and graceful. And I think it added a lot to their performance. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, that voice, you know, it's, it, it's wonderful to be able to have an effect on people with simply your voice. And, and he certainly had that capacity. Yeah. Now sure. did, did, with your, now you are a, a, a motivational speaker is that right i think i think is that correct um, uh, it's one of my many hats but yes <laughs> do you do you, did your do you see any of that like from your dad like your know, dad was a speaker okay well if he's a speaker i can go be a speaker i mean you know my you know my world was turned upside down my parents freaked out when i could draw and paint because they couldn't you know they they didn't have any of that ability. It's like, oh my God, our son can actually do something. And I that's went, so yeah. cool. <laughs> yes, parents. And, and you they, know, it and came out of left field, huh? It came out of left field. Yeah, my dad was a Air Force Air Force uh, a military guy and and everything. And but uh, but I'm wondering if in your like some things with me with my children, I tell them you can do anything you want to do. Point your boat towards the star of what you're interested in, and work at it. And the money will flow and you will enjoy your life more than you would to somebody that decides they're going to go do a nine to five, you know, uh, mm. you know, doing, uh, you know, whatever math or something that I hate. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hate math, hate math. but with you, when you, when you, when you speak, I mean, do you feel that some of this came to you more naturally because of your father's performance? Well, ability? he was the second most popular lecturer after Eleanor Roosevelt. So I certainly oh. got to hear him give talks and speak and it was well that's good so it's like that dad does it i guess it's you Uh, know i gotta go that but i think you know it really i came from three parents a mother a stepmother and a father who were incredible storytellers yeah really great storytellers and i think really they were amazing communicators and that's really um for me what I learned, you know, I don't really think of myself as a speaker who gets up and sort of talks at an audience. Mm-hmm. I, I really have just always been a verbal communicator. And <laughs> when I was a kid and my parents uh, wanted me to not understand what they were saying, 
they would talk over my head, either using a different language or using big words that I wouldn't understand. And I would get so frustrated. I mean, when I was little at this point, like four or five, and I would like pound on them. I'd hit them. I'd be like, stop. I want to know. I want to, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. And I was so frustrated that I couldn't communicate at their level. And they just, my mother and father together, my stepmother and father, certainly they just, it was like a Noel Coward play. It was so much <laughs> witty repartee and they were just so clever with yeah. verbally. And so I think really it came more from that, that I've always been somebody who processes verbally and I, I'm a writer uh, and, and a speaker, I think, because I came from verbal people who used words to tell stories and, uh, and I love doing that. And also, you know, my, my, both my parents loved art. My dad was an art historian and, sure, uh, you know, and, yeah. and an art collector. And my mother was a costume designer and an architectural designer. And neither of them felt they could draw. Uh, and, and it was really upsetting to them that they didn't feel that they could <laughs> draw as well as uh, they wanted to. Now, I think both of them could draw, but that's not how they felt. Anyway, I heard that story so much in there. I was always in art classes. And the first time in an art class that I really saw something in my head that I wanted to have come out my hands and it wouldn't do that. It sort of affirmed like, oh, look, I'm just like them. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a visual person, but as a, I'm actually a visual learner and I've been a designer, both a interior and graphic designer for years and years. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, um, my avocation... What I love doing is photographing. So I think I'm a very visual person, right. um, but not in the way that, um, not in the way that I thought I was wanted to be. And, uh, and so it's interesting. I think we, we get it all from our parents, uh, our attitudes toward things, maybe not our gifts, but our attitudes. Right, right. That's a good way to put it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, you know your skill as a storyteller, and I got to tell you that the book is is amazingly comprehensive as far as not only as far as your father, his career, his personal life, but also um, you know you put yourself you include yourself as as almost a character in the book as well, and 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 talk about some pretty um, you know open openly brave things that you were going through as well, which I, I found pretty compelling. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, I really didn't want to write his biography. I He and I worked on a project together, which was about art, um, because I also trained as an art historian and owned an art gallery for many, many years. And and so I that was really our mutual passion. And we spent about nine months sitting and talking about art. And that's the book I thought I was going to write. But after he died, people wanted something more comprehensive. And I thought, well, if I don't do this, then all that material about this thing that was his greatest passion, which was the visual arts, would just go to waste. And so I really thought to myself, um, you know, give it a shot. So I feel felt like it, it should be pretty obvious to everybody that I'm not the big horror expert. So I, I and I think that was one of the criticisms of the book was that, well, she doesn't talk enough about the movies, but it wasn't about the movies. You know, I, I 
it was really about his experience of making the movies as, as he shared that with me and as I learned about it. But I figured the things that I could share would be things that other people couldn't. And so the book would yeah. have merit. And one of those things was the fact that I grew up listening to his stories. And um, Roddy McDowell once said to me, you know, you have this amazing opportunity to, to listen and to grow up around these people who are amazing storytellers. And he said, Hollywood doesn't know that it has a history. So pay attention to that history and listen to it. And I think that's something that not only stood me in good stead with my family, but just in general. I think so often people just go through their lives and they don't realize that their stories are interesting and it's part of a history of a place. So I travel all over the world now and I love hearing people's stories about whatever. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. It's one of those things where with, with there's enough, I mean, I'm not trying to say that there should not be more books written about your dad, but there's plenty of books written about his films. Right. God knows I've done enough covers for enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh well but the thing is is that is that i want to know stuff about the man the day-to-day -day guy and that's what i loved about the book it was that tell tell me stuff that i don't know yeah tell mm. us i mean to me that's like i mean years ago i used to read nothing but 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 uh fiction and science fiction and horror and stuff and then all of a sudden one year i just quit and now it's uh biographies i love reading biographies sir edmund hillary uh, you know anything boris carl whatever it didn't matter uh john glenn and stuff like that and i would just read these things and i'm like if you some of the things that you are in these if you put it in a film they'd say it's ridiculous you know what i mean mm, the whole thing of right. real life is more wild with its twists and turns than what goes into a film script and so i like the fact that you wrote a book about the man and with the peripheral of okay the location sets and all that kind of stuff we've got we've got thousands of pages just on any one film that your dad did alone, you know, and I think the book was, uh, was wonderful. Thank you. I, it makes me happy to hear that. Cause you know, I never would have wanted anyone to think that I knew more about any of his movies than somebody who really is a movie expert. And I, I do most of the things that I do with my uh, colleague and friend and business partner who runs the UK uh, Vincent Price legacy, Peter Fuller. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we do things together, it's such a relief because I can answer the questions and it's pretty clear that I'm the only one who can answer. And then if somebody said, you know, who was the third spear carrier from the left and, and, you know, <laughs> how did they like Barbara Steele? I'm like, Peter? <laughs> and yeah. I don't even have to pretend to know the answer, which is such yeah. a relief. Yeah. Yeah, but, they, you know, that's who I am about films in general. I have friends who are such film lovers and they'll say things like, you know, oh, that I, I loved that movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you see it? I'm like, yeah, I think I did. Oh, no. I mean, how could you forget the scene where Pete talked to Jack and, you know, they found the grilled cheese sandwich, you know, in the crypt or whatever. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't remember what I had lunch for yet for lunch yesterday. How the <laughs> hell do you remember something you saw in 1984 with a grilled cheese? Of course, I think I would remember a grilled cheese sandwich in a crypt. But, you know, I mean, these people. I think like, most people would. And, <laughs> right, that's true. But, but maybe that's because I grew up in that business. 
And it's mm. hard to be a fan of something when you think of it as the family business. Yeah, but I'm a sports it. fan, and I yeah. and I remember things about sports. So. My uh, my ex wife said to me one time, she goes, you know, so and so and so and so and so and so are coming over tonight, and I'm like, now who is that again? She goes, we've known <laughs> them, we've known them for months. She goes, you can't remember their names, but you can remember Vincent Price's birthday, <laughs> and I'm like. Right. There you go. You've got to have priorities, honey. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. And you're not married anymore. Well, yeah, your, your, your dad, your dad broke us up. But, oh, uh, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's just a joke. Actually, we get along, we get along pretty good. The kids and everything, it's all good. So not, not a big problem, but, um, you know, um, that's the thing is that when I met you, I said, this woman is not an encyclopedia of her dad's film. She's not going to tell us what happened on day 73 of the shoot of 10 commandments. I'm not right. expecting that from you. And you know what? It's totally cool. Totally cool. Was, and, and, well, and, you know, cause I think people, I, I think the real gift that I, of the perspective that I can provide is the, the thing that we all want. We all have people we admire or, love or or respect growing up and we really 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 hope that they we're going to find out that this person was worthy of that love or respect or admiration Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's two things i get to do with people one is i get to tell them that yeah you know my dad was definitely worth loving or admiring or respecting he was all that you know and the other thing I get to do is share his philosophy of life, which has given me an extraordinary life. And so I get to pass that on to others. And I can't think of a better thing to do. That's great. That is great. That is awesome. And yeah, the I mean, the subtitle of the book is A Daughter's Biography. So you know it's coming from your perspective. I mean, it's it's right, not that's supposed why to... I tried to come up with some super clever name, but ultimately I thought <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Yeah, know? and and I think that makes it a personal touch, which I think is more compelling. At least for me, it was more compelling reading that, um, uh, reading that way, and 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 hearing those stories from that now. I've talked with other people who've written biographies or, or uh, nonfiction books. And it seems like right after they publish the book, it gets done. And then suddenly they are overwhelmed almost with stories that they didn't know about that all of a sudden now they would have like, Oh, I would have put that in the book. I'm wondering if there's anything of significance that you have discovered or heard about since the book that came out that you're like, Oh, that if I was doing a revised issue uh, uh, edition, that would probably be in there. You know, I have done revised editions and I've never really changed anything, which is interesting. I probably should have. But for me, the the uh, I'll answer your question in a sec, but it was almost like once I finished writing it, I didn't have to think about it anymore. It was sort yeah. of the same as the grilled cheese sandwich in the crypt. Right. Like I'm one of those people <laughs> like when it's done, it's done. You know, I don't want I don't really want to think about it. So the stories that I tell are the stories that interest me, not necessarily as stories, but as messages or as as you know for the meaning of them for the takeaway that said you know I I found some things and and one of them was that he had had this fiance and I figured that I didn't know he'd had this fiance early on in his life but I kind of pieced that together but I had no idea who she was and after the book came out the his the fiance's daughter uh contacted me and so now I know exactly who the fiance was and, um, you know, little things like that. And actually, I, you know, it, to me, 
I guess I could have gone on and written that all in, in, in a later edition, but I don't know. It, was, um, it kind of didn't, it was more interesting, I think, maybe to me than the reader, because it yeah. doesn't really matter gotcha. to the reader who the fiance was. And to me, the cool thing was uh, finding out the story and finding out that they'd stayed friends and they stayed in touch their whole lives and blah, blah, blah. So. You needed to, you needed to put in the next edition. You need to put that you came by Mark Maddox's house in a Clark Cortez. Uh, there you, you go. Definitely, <laughs> that that has to go back. I demand that. Okay. <laughs> wow. I, I, I'm going to ask you a question, Mark, because you have um, you have painted um, Vincent Price numerous times. Yeah. And I and I do wonder. Um, when you when you paint a subject, you know you probably get to know them on some sort of intimate level, and I wonder what you've discovered over your years of of painting him, or how you know finding out more information does that in, in help your work? I just it's just one of those things where it's kind of a, I hate to say this because I just said earlier I hate math, but there is a sort of a mathematical part to it with the you know the head's an egg and then you cut it in half and that's where the eyes are. And then there's an eye distance between the other two. eyes. It's just crazy stuff. I do know this. The most important thing I know is that my mother's favorite, my mother's favorite portrait of him is on the cover of undying monsters. Number three, (laughs) the Roger Corman issue where I literally, because I could not find a better photograph, he had a mustache on, but I was supposed to put him in a suit. So I literally painted him and I painted the mustache off of his face because his mustache in that was so tiny from the picture I was using, but he, um, my mother looked at that and it's funny because she always loves my artwork, but she said to me, that's the best thing you've ever done is that portrait of Vincent Price wearing a business suit. And it's just sort of, that's, that's about the closest thing to anything like that I can give you. Um, I was thrilled to do the Dr. Fives Rises Again a piece for uh, Little Shop of Horrors because not only did it get, it, a lot of people liked it, but the lady who played Volnavia, Val, Valley Kemp, who lives in Australia now, uh, it got to her and she was enamored with it. And it's like he's standing there with his full long white robes, not at, not with the horror, not with the skeleton face, but his portrait, his his face with the with the shaggy shaggy wig and all that stuff and she's above him in a sort of an art deco sort of thing i wanted to go completely art deco with it and uh and uh, you know so it it just depends um you have to ask the people what they like the most there's just different ones that people really really love there was one i did of him from the haunted palace uh, for a, a book in Britain and you know it's just one of those that I, I I was it was weird with it I painted it in shades of orange and it just it just worked so um you know I mean he's he's fun to paint I'll say that <laughs> I don't well know. and I would think too like because in watching a lot of his movies even the six movies he did with Roger Corman yeah. he, I, I like how he and Roger I'm not sure who made the ultimate decision but even though he's playing a tortured, you know, man uh, in in all, almost all of them, uh, kind of a similarly, yeah, similarly tortured man. Yeah, on the t- on the edge of madness in a lot of his, them. Yeah, his look is always different. Like he, yeah, chooses, very like, different. Yeah, he's got the sort of albino look in one of them. Uh, in Tomb of Legia, he's got the dark sunglasses and looks like he's kind doing of an the John Lennon sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm like, wow, it's like, it's incredible watching all these together uh, because he, he manages to change it up, you know? Um, to me, I, I look at that and when I watch House of Usher, I see his hair and I do not see like that white powder they put on people to make them look older. It looks like his hair is bleached or something. I mean, uh, you know, look at the Blu-ray and you just go, did he, you know, did he go bald a couple of weeks later for several months because of what he put in his hair? Because it does not look like it doesn't look, you know what I'm talking about? That fake matted looking sort of. No, I think it was bleached. Yeah, I mean he he just looks incredible, and that and like I said, because of my experience, I've had other people say that uh, the Pit and the Pendulums is best film of the Cormans, and for me, it's still Usher. I still find that to be uh, the Cat's Pajamas, uh, the way he did it. Um, the, the all the different you know, we go over later down to like Theater of Blood with all those costume changes he does. Uh, some of them are incredible. I painted him for another British book cover with, with the giant nose. I don't, uh, was it, uh, was it Prospero? I can't remember. Shylock. Anyway. Shylock thank Shylock. you. And, and, uh, and, and speaking of that, that was one thing I wanted to bring up in this, in the show was some of the lines that he got to say for, of, 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 uh, of uh, Shakespeare in that. I mean, I go around, you know, somebody will smart off to me and I go, well, if I am a dog, then beware my fangs. I just love, I love, I love the way he did that in that film, the, the voices and the, and the different, uh, the different, uh, great, beautiful, uh, lines that he had in that. But, uh, anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> um, I also um, want to make sure, uh, Victoria, now you mentioned the Vincent Price legacy, um, I'm just kind of curious as to what um, uh, are you, is that something that's uh, still I mean active and you guys are doing things? Oh yeah, we've been doing virtual Vincent events since March. We've got one on um, October 25th, uh, which is the 27th anniversary of my dad's death. That is a, a a roast, so it's a look at all my dad's comedic roles and how much he loved play- doing comedy. Okay, and. Uh, yeah, we do them all the time and we lead, obviously right now we're not able to lead the tours that we lead or do the events that we do. So, um, but we've, we've done some really fun ones. We had a Roger Corman on and did a live event. These are all live events. We did a live event with Roger Corman um, for the 60th anniversary of House of Usher in uh, June. And then uh, we're doing another event with Roger Corman um, in um uh, I think on June, November 1st, um, which is for a, a festival in Wales. So yeah, we, Peter and I do a lot of fun stuff and uh, we put together a little uh, platform called follow spot live, follow spot.live where we do a lot of virtual events so people can get, check out what's there. We've, we do things with other people too. We're doing a really fun event with Sarah Douglas. who's a dear friend of mine oh, who yeah, um, played Urson. Oh yeah, um, many other roles. So we're doing. We took the name of my dad's um, uh, lecture that he did called "The Villains Still Pursue Me," and we did it with. Uh, we're doing sort of a chat about friendship and uh, film and playing baddies. Sarah and I. It's called "The Villains Still Pursue Us," and then Dennis O'Hare is doing a fun Edgar Allan Poe thing with us uh, right around Poe's birthday yeah. in January. So. Yeah, we the legacy is very much alive, and we look awesome. forward to being able to get out on the road again and and do things in in actual person. And we uh-huh. do these tours. We right before everything shut down, I led a tour, and we were in New Orleans 
and went to all the restaurants that are in my parents' cookbook and cemeteries and a haunted tour. So yeah, it's been, it's lots of fun. And, you know, that's not my, uh, that's not my only work. So it's been, um, it's been kind of a good thing for me to be off the road and be able to feel like I get caught up on other things, but I, but I'm definitely looking forward to get, getting back on the road. Awesome. And, and how do people find out about those events? Is it just Vincent? So Price follow station? spot live is a website, follow spot dot live and, okay. and all the tickets are on there. And then there's a vincentprice.com website. And my website is victoriaprice.com and then two social media. So my dad is master of menace on Facebook and Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. And, uh, and I'm, I'm Victoria Price. I am Victoria Price. So my <laughs> first name's Mary. So I am Victoria Price. So. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, and yes, I definitely wanted to ask you if there's anything that you wanted to promote yourself as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had a book come out this year. It was called Living Love. Of course, it came out right during the beginning of the pandemic. So I look forward to at some point when the world opens back up doing sort of a belated book tour but in the meantime I'm going to be doing some fun events uh we've got some this month there's book events and workshops and things like that 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 I do so that book came out this year and and there's a place you can buy all the books on on the websites on vincentprice.com and on victoriaprice.com and uh and signed copies and things like that so um and it's really about what I learned from my dad which is that um you know, we can go through life saying this is hard or that's hard or I wish things were different or we can stop belly aching, as my dad would say, and talking about what we want to have be different and actually put into practice the things that we wish we had. So instead of saying I, I wish I was more creative, we practice something that, you know, fuels our creativity instead of saying I wish I um had more joy in my life we practice joy and it it shifts everything it's a it's something I learned from both of my parents and so it's a real joy to be able to put it into a book it's basically 12 really simple practices that um, help people see all the ways that um, they give into fear in ways that aren't healthy and instead of focusing on what they want to change um, focus on what they love to change Right. And love does the changing. That's Doing great. what you love changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That is awesome. That's that. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll have links to all of that in our show notes and, um, and, and thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for, for the book and doing all that research and work, uh, putting together this comprehensive book on, on Vincent Price, as well as keeping the legacy going. We really appreciate that. Well, I just am so grateful, you know, it's been 27 years and that he has so many people who still love him so much and, and that his fan base is growing. I think he would be blown away by that and, and grateful for that. It's what he loved doing was connecting with people and the fact that he gets to do that sort of in perpetuity. How awesome is that? So, um, yeah, thank you guys for having me on the show. And thank you to everybody out there who's listening for keeping my dad's legacy alive. It means the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, happy Halloween to you. Likewise. Happy Halloween to all of you guys. Okay. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's great, great hearing from you again. 
hopefully we'll be able to see each other face to face sometime in the not yes. too distant future. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. No, it'll be wonderful. When did, when will this air? Uh, well, this should be out uh, this week, right? You don't know. To, no, I know when it is. We're supposed to be wrapping it up, not you know talking about stuff like this on the air. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. During the podcast. No, this show will go live on tomorrow to our patrons, and then on That's Thursday awesome. to the public. Cool. So. Well, I just asked because I I would um I would love to share my the anniversary of my dad's passing with folks in a way that I think really he would love. It's this Sunday, the 25th. And, um, and the event is uh, the tickets are on followspot.live, but it's, you know, my dad and my mom really taught me that when we, when we face our fears and we can find, you know, the humor and the joy and the courage, it can shift anything and so we've been doing these virtual Vincent events and honestly, sort of at the beginning, because uh, you kind of get in the habit of being, especially during lockdown, you know, just sort of being on your own and isolated. And I think, oh, gosh, I got to, you know, like wash my hair and put on <laughs> makeup and real clothes. Right. Oh, you know, wouldn't it just be just as easy to read a book or something? And every single time I did one of these events, I would leave with this huge grin on my face and feel so full of joy. And uh, so I'm so excited because this is all about something that he loved, which was comedy and laughter. And uh, some of it's going to be poking fun at my, my dad in his sort of uncle Vinny character, but also it's, it's what a, you know, great comedian he was. And, and I think that the connection between laughter and fear it was a really important part of his career. So, yeah. Um, so that's why I asked. Cause that's I, great. I'd love for people to join us. I think it's going to be really special. Yeah. We'll definitely cool. include that in the show notes and, um, and thanks again. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back. To close off the show. everybody michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment i know we're all missing live music right now so many tours so many shows canceled postponed don't know when they're happening don't know if they're happening but iron maiden has announced a new live album to drop november 20th called night uh, nights of the dead legacy of the beast live in mexico city um they recorded this last september during three sold out shows there and uh They wanted to do a souvenir for fans that are waiting and waiting and waiting to see this tour. And they're kind of excited about it because um, there are a bunch of songs on it that have never gotten onto a live Maiden recording before. Uh, Where Eagles Dare, Sign of the Cross, Flight of Icarus, just three of them. There are a bunch more. Um, More than 100 minutes of music. Um, And of course, comes in all the formats. It'll be streaming. Uh, double CD, with or without a book, heavyweight vinyl, 180 gram Mexican flag, triple colored vinyl. So save your pennies for that. And another band that we miss, um, they've had a, a really crazy few years of it is ACDC. 
um, the loss of Malcolm Young, Phil Rudd's legal issues, um, really great tour with Axl Rose. Um, the latest twist from ACDC is that uh, former bass guitarist Paul Matters has passed away. Um, most people don't remember him. He was uh, in the band for a few weeks in 75 while they made High Voltage, later replaced by Mark Evans. But ACDC is back with new music. They put out a single called Shot in the Dark on October 7th. And what's even better is this is a reunion of... What a lot of people, well, you could you could argue about it, but a lot of people would call it the classic lineup. This is the one that goes back to back in black. Um, Phil Rudd is on drums, Cliff Williams back on bass, and Brian Johnson back on vocals. So look out for an album to come from this soon. And uh, looking forward to TV this weekend, Saturday Night Live. Um, the host is Adele, hoping she performs something, even though she's the host and not the musical guest. The musical guest is H.E.R., and if you are not familiar with her, you need to check this out. She is phenomenal. The woman shreds. You've got to check it out. So uh, set your phone, mark your calendar for that. Um, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. New post up uh, called Profits Without Honor. Check that out and see what that's all about. We will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the DuckTales one-hour Dark Queen Duck special. So the remake of DuckTales has been amazing. The stories and characters really incorporate what made the original series special while also making it uniquely its own. They have shown us that Darkwing Duck was a TV show in this universe of DuckTales. However, there is now a Darkwing in the current DuckTales universe of Drake Mallard, who was a fan of the old TV series. This special focuses on Tars Bulba creating a machine that can send people to other dimensions, and it can also bring people from different ones to the world of McDuck. We meet Gosselin, a young duck whose grandfather was betrayed by Bulba and thrown into the machine, and she is determined to get him back. She teams up with Darkwing and Launchpad to do this. In the mix of all this happening, four supervillains from Darkwing Duck's dimension gets brought over to the current dimension. And let me tell you, it was like being a small child again watching this. It was so fun. We even get to see Scrooge and the triplets thrown into the machine, and they end up in the old DuckTales universe. My favorite line has to be when one of the triplets said, Why were our heads so round? Since it was such a funny moment. I cannot wait to see more of the new Darkwing characters in new episodes that we have coming up especially since one of the triplets seemed to really take to Gosselin and want to be good friends with her. 
Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to thank, of course, Victoria Price for joining us tonight. And, of course, Mr. Mark Maddox also. Yay. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Halloween with you guys. Is Halloween just... is just awesome with you. You know, we always think of scary things and we think of Mark Maddox. <laughs> no, your artwork <laughs> represents that. It's pretty awesome. I thought you were picking on me. Thank you, no. Mike. You're welcome, Mark. So what do you have to shout out about, dude? Ah, thousands of things. Um, let's see. Um, I've got a new cover coming out for Infinity, which is monster-based, which will be out in, probably in the next well, – they'll, they'll give us a shout-out in the next few weeks on the social media. The British magazine Infinity just finished a cover for them. And then, uh, then uh, I don't know, probably uh, talk real briefly about Monster Attack. Jim Adams and I are doing uh, uh, episodes this uh, month related to Halloween as well. I think they just finished up one for The Wolfman, and Jim and I are doing one for uh, George Powell's War of the Worlds that we'll be putting out in, in the next few weeks uh, before, before Halloween is upon us. Uh, but other than that, that's about it for right now. That's cool. And, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, I do. I want to give a shout out to our good friend, Anthony, and the, the pop culture vulture uh, that uh, recently looks like they made a licensing deal with Famous Monsters of Filmland. So they've got some merchandise coming out, some uh pins some stickers uh even some some habanero hot sauce uh with stuff. the uh with the famous monsters of film and logo on it um you know anthony puts together this stuff and he's got like you know you can always, you can get face masks now too of uh you know the overlook hotel pattern from the shining as well as um other stickers and various fun stuff for halloween so uh we'll have a link in the show notes but um uh, i'd say check that stuff out that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Anthony does amazing stuff with his monster stuff, his hot sauce. You know, it's pretty awesome. And it's just, it's great to see that it's growing even more so. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Famous Monsters of Finland. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good uh, branding to get. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, my shout out this week. I am going to give a shout out to a Broadway play that we saw eight months ago. Uh, we went to go up to New York and we got to see David Byrne's American Utopia. Oh, now, this cool. is your chance to be able to see David Byrne's American Utopia on HBO Max. And if you get a chance, folks, it is amazing. Judy and I watched it last night and we were entertained just as much as when we saw it in person. And we had so much fun. The music is just amazing. And it's all live right there on stage. It's not, you know, it's not, they don't have a hidden orchestra. They don't have people backstage playing the music for them and people just pretending to play the instruments. These folks are playing the actual instruments up on stage. And David Byrne is just a genius in himself. 
And if you get a chance to see it, it is truly worth it. Who's and streaming it? HBO Max. HBO Max. Okay. Sorry, yep. I'm writing this down. <laughs> no, it's okay. And it's definitely, definitely worth it. Um, also, just recently, we got some very sad news um, here that uh, my one of my heroes, Jeff Bridges, um, the dude, uh, just announced that he has been diagnosed with lymphoma. And oh, no. so he's going to fight it and hopefully he'll be able to do it. You know, Jeff is 70 now and, you know, good luck to him and everything. It was just announced yeah. literally before we went on the air. So it sucks. Cancer sucks. And, you know, it just sucks, you know, personally in a lot of different ways. And for, you know, friends of ours and just everybody out there, you know, just with everything going on, it's just another blow in a lot of ways. So it just, it kind of sucks. So, you know just sucks that you know he has to go through that and whoever has to go through that and you know people are going through worse things you know yes there's worse things than cancer but cancer is a horrible horrible thing but it can be fought and i know people who are 20 years free of cancer because they fought it and everything so hopefully he can too and everyone out there just be happy and be thankful for what you have and, you know, just go with the flow. And, you know, as the man, as the dude likes to say, whatever, man, it'll, it's what it'll be. will be. We were thankful for everybody who has joined us tonight on behalf of myself, Mike Faber on Mark Maddox, Mike Gordon. Uh, I want to thank Stacy toy for being our victim in this week in the gate geek seat. And Victoria Price, she was just awesome tonight. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, join us next week. We got a big surprise coming your way for Halloween to wrap up the season. And, you know, this is, Halloween is a really big event this year. Halloween is on a Saturday. There's a full moon, you know, it's like everything. And then COVID, hey, it doesn't get much better than that. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting adventure for Halloween this year. We definitely would love to hear what you guys are doing. Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear what you guys are planning for Halloween. You know, definitely would like to hear about what you guys are planning, what, you know, what you guys want to do and, you know, take it easy with everything. Um, Thanks for listening to earth station one podcast. We are powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now on Amazon Music. All you have to do is go, hey, Alexa, play the Earth Station One podcast on Amazon Music. Thank you. You guys will get it there. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And, you know, we're not proud. We, you know, we'll get, we'll get on every player out there. And so Earth Station One will be everywhere soon. So thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Peace. And we'll see you here next time on Earth Station One. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. (laughs) 